beer can nope no beer can we're all business tonight welcome in everybody this is episode 227 of living off the land i'm dan here with your host uh well i am your host and my co-host is steven steven we got a jam-packed uh show this week uh football season is upon us uh the guardians are in the middle of a pennant race and the cleveland cavaliers might have just made the biggest trade in franchise history it's not often you have all three of our teams doing Big-time business all in the same week, and sure enough, that's what we have right now. In the words of uh, good old JR, business has just picked up. Should have worn my designer suit for tonight. But, <laughs> yeah. You have a designer suit? Mm. Yeah. Ish? Ish. Okay. Well, anyway, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, we are going to jump right into it. We have no beer this week. We have no uh, neighborhood to discuss this week. We are taking a break from that because... Cleveland sports are, it's the hottest it's been in a long time. And the Browns are about to kick off the NFL season. The Guardians had a rough week. We'll get into it uh, in a couple minutes in the week that was with Cleveland Guardians. And like we said, Cavaliers made a huge trade uh, almost out of nowhere. And they are announcing themselves as contenders in the Eastern Conference this year. So we will get into all that, but let's start with the week that was with the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, so this was a pretty rough week for the Guardians. They started off by losing 2-3 to the Baltimore Orioles, and then the team that has really become their nemesis uh, in recent weeks, the Seattle Mariners, came into Progressive Field, and they just shut the Guardians completely down. Uh, shut them out in two games, and then in a game where I, I swear on Sunday through all the rain and there was a rain delay, I was basically praying for the game to get canceled because it just seemed like it would be taking a loss off the standings if if they if it was. But Mother Nature did not really allow for that, so eh. wasn't so good. But uh, maybe maybe the magic elixir is the Kansas City Royals. The Guardians have won the last two games in Kansas City. And even though they're still not hitting the ball great, they managed to pull out an extra inning game uh, on Monday night and then uh, did getting enough some, offensively Getting to some win great pitching game. performances. I mean, the, I mean, the pitching has not been, a, has not been the problem. Bieber last night was, I mean, you know, he started off the season um, slow by his standards. But, man, is he rounding into form as we go down the uh, uh, the, the – you know, the uh, the backstretch here on the season. Bieber went eight innings last night, uh, gave up one run on four hits, struck out seven, only walked one, and uh, Karinczak came in in the ninth, and the Guardians beat the Royales four to one. So, and not to be outdone, uh, the also the magic elixir is the fact that the Twins are in the Bronx right now, and they lost last night. And they have a doubleheader today with the Yankees, and they lost the first game of that doubleheader today in extra innings. So they are currently playing the second game of the doubleheader. Guardians, before they play today, are two games up now. Uh, we we had a four-game lead last week. It went. It basically turned into a virtual tie. 
but the Guardians have now created themselves a little bit of a buffer again. Let's hope that they can win tonight against Kansas City before a huge weekend series with the Twinks. The gist of this being the uh, Guardians stumbling this week and the Twins not really taking advantage. I mean, they, they sliced a little bit of the deficit, but you know they had a chance to actually probably tie or even take the lead this week, and they, they just kind of let it go by. What well, they did tie. Done, what that's done is it's allowed the White Sox back into the mix. Yeah, as, they're back in it. As they picked off some victories in the past week, and now as of yeah, yesterday— Yeah, they won two out of three against the Twins, I believe. Yes, as of yesterday, they are behind by two and a half games. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's still the case. Well, I'll tell you. I'll yes, tell you one is, thing. Actually. I will tell you one thing. Uh, let's let's say that we win the division and we get into the playoffs. The one team that I do not want to play in the American League playoffs. It's not the Yankees. It's not the Reds. Well, the, the Reds or whoever. That it's not even Tampa Bay. Well, it's got to be the team that just beat us up. I, exactly. I don't want to see Seattle, the Seattle Mariners. Seattle's on a roll right now. They They're just beat s- the crap out of us. Seventy-seven and sixty. Now that it's you know. They beat the Guardians in six what, six of the seven games they played against them. Yep. And ironically, the White Sox actually went out to Seattle and won yesterday. So figures, now we need Seattle to keep winning, and then they don't. So yeah. uh, let's hope Chicago doesn't end up like making a whole bunch of hay out of that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Seattle's on a freaking roll. They had a series in between they play, when they played the Guardians in Detroit, and they swept the Tigers aside like they were nothing also. So right now, according to ESPN, uh, ESPN gives us a 55%, 55.1% chance of winning the division. They give the Twins a 27% chance of winning the division, and the White Sox a 20% chance of winning the division. So uh, it is pretty close. And then... Even though they're not going to, obviously, they're not going to factor in. They give Kansas City and Detroit a marginal uh, percentage. But yeah. Five, 538 has pretty similar percentages. They have the Guardians at 59%, the Twins at 22 and the White Sox at 19 Yeah. Interestingly enough, they have the Guardians <laughs> as a 1% chance to win the World Series. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I will say, though, those odds will change dramatically – uh, following the results of this weekend series with the Twins, I mean, if we if we if we play that series in Minnesota, or that here, is in Minnesota. So we got so if three, we go up we got to, three we, in Minnesota. If we go up to Minnesota and get swept, oh boy, yeah, I don't think. But it's happen, that but. being said, the very next week, <sighs> Minnesota has to come here and they have to play five. Yeah, five. I believe that's the last that we play against the Twins. Uh, yes, we have, we have six. eight games. We have, we have, eight. Eight. Still remaining. And then we have uh, – how many games left do we have total? Uh, 70 and 64 right now. That's 134. So there's still 28 games. 28. So we have eight that's against still a the, lot. We have eight against the Twins. We have, counting tonight, seven against the Royals. And then the other 13 games, I'm sure – I don't. we don't play the White Sox again. I don't think we play the Tigers again. So I think no. the division is done at, with those games. So I don't know who else do who else do we play? Do we play We've like got, we Texas? have the Rays, we have the Rangers, and we have the Angels. Okay, out there. Okay, yeah. So I mean, to be honest with you, you just win the divisional games and win the divisional games, and you split the rest of them, and the, and the Guardians are going to win the AL Central. The, Ra- the Rays, that's that's not going to be easy. No, not at all. Thankfully, those games are home. Yep. 
Uh, the Angels are also home. The Rangers, I think, is away. But the Angels and the Rangers are both bad. The, the Angels are 60-77. and 77, The Rangers are 59-76. If, if you don't beat those teams, you really have no one to blame. Yeah. So. I'll say this. Um, People need to get their ass to the ballpark. I, I know we talk about this every year. And at the beginning of the season, we always bitch and are like, yeah, well, the reason why people aren't going to the ballpark is because the owners aren't spending any money. The owners aren't spending money. Well, the weather's bad. Here's the thing. Early in the spring. Here's the thing. Now we're at the end of the season and we're in it. We are in. We are in the middle of a legit pennant race. And let's just throw away what we think about the owners aside and let's just root for these kids on this team because this is the youngest team in baseball. And I went to the to the game against the Baltimore Orioles last Thursday. Thursday night, going into a holiday weekend, the weather was perfect that night. Yes, it was, because I was playing golf that night. There couldn't have been 10,000 people in that stadium. Wow. Get your ass to the ballpark. That's bad. I, I got I to take your advice. I, I got to go to one of these This wasn't here. a Monday night in May. This was a Thursday night going into Labor Day weekend, and it was 75 degrees and sunny at Progressive Field. With Shane Bieber on the mound. Get your ass to the ballpark. What is the deal with that? Does that just I don't know. does that signify that the fans really don't care about the AL Central and they they figure, well, okay, they win the AL Central, big whoop, they're just gonna be three games and out in the playoffs. I like, mean maybe. I, I mean that must be the mentality that people are having right now. Not realizing that the you know the well, format I mean, even, is different. Even, even so, it's just it, it was a beautiful night to be at the ballpark. But I, it, right. To be honest with you, there should there should have been the Guardians could could have fifty wins right now, and there should be more than ten thousand people at that. Yeah, at the right. Park. Yeah, we could be Detroit. I mean, how many fans did the Tigers draw on that same night? I don't or, know. Or but Kansas City. There were there were some bigger crowds over the actual weekend, but come on, guys, let's go to the ballpark. Let's support the team. There are going to be some big home games coming up, and this team has a legit chance to win the division, and. Be in the playoffs. I, who, who at the beginning of the season would have thought that that that, that the Guardians would have won the AL? The AL, like, we know. I don't that, think anybody thought that. We I know mean, that the that the Central Division is not very good. We didn't think it would be. We didn't, we didn't think, think it would be this bad. We didn't think it would be this bad. We thought that Chicago was going to be better. I don't think we really thought Minnesota was going to be all that great. But you know, they're they're probably performing they're about to where your I expectation. They, they're about where I thought. They'd yeah, be. Chicago. We thought was going to be better. And yeah, I thought they, Chicago was going to run away with this division. The injury absolutely crushed them early yeah. in the season. And the Guardians have have overachieved, for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. they've been they've been pretty up and down, but you're going to get that with a with a young uh, young club, no matter what sport you play. Right. I mean, you're going to be up and you're going to have high the highest of the highs and lowest of the lows. So, uh, yeah. Um, but here's the bottom line. So, uh, playoffs. Expand this year. It's going to be like how the NFL used to be with with the top six in mm-hmm. each league. So, given that the Guardians of the third seed, as of now, would be playing against Toronto, the sixth seed. Then you'd have the four seed and the five seed, the two other wild cards playing each other, which would be Seattle and Tampa, with the Yankees and the Astros. The Astros would be the one seed. The Yankees would be the number two seed mm. in the National League. On the other side of the bracket, oh boy. You actually have a tie for the NL East lead. The Braves are holding tiebreaker on the Mets. So the Braves would actually be the two seed. The Dodgers, the one seed, they would get the buys. The Cardinals would be the third seed, and they hmm. would be up against the Phillies <coughs> in round 
in round one, while the Mets would face the Padres. Oh, that would be the Phillips. <laughs> so that's what you're looking at right now. And and truth, okay, so to, to address the mentality of the fans and what I think it is right now based on the attendances, yes. It, is there a huge gap between the Guardians and, say, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Astros, and the Yankees? Yes, absolutely there is. Would that be a tremendously huge mountain to climb? Yes, it absolutely would be. Why are we concerned about that right now? We need to cross that bridge if we get to it. Yeah. Like, them winning the division this year should be a big enough accomplishment that people should be supporting this team right now, and it's a shame that they're, 100%. they're not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, if you would have if you would have taken winning the division and getting into the playoffs, I think every single Guardians Everybody fan taken would have taken it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I said I, I said my over and under for, for the Guardians. up in September on September 7th? I mean, yeah. oh my God, we would have all been signing up for that. I, 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 I have my over and under set for seventy five for wins for the Guardians this year, and they might hit that by the middle of next week. Seventy and sixty four right now. They'd only need six more wins the rest of the season to beat that. Yeah, they're going to do that easily. Oh, they could do yeah. it by next week. Absolutely. Like that's you said. I, yeah, that's what I said. If they have a good week against the Twins, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, I definitely, th- I, I like the Guardians' chances because I. Right now, they've got their bullpen is firing. Uh, their starting pitching has been getting better and better. I mean, Cal Quantrill has been a revelation this season. Shane Bieber's getting back to uh, his ace status, and Tristan McKenzie, while he's had a couple bumps, um, you could you could say he's been our best pitcher all, all year as far as starters go. So, and he's he's the future of this pitching staff. So. Uh, I like where their chances are. Now, they don't score nearly enough runs for me to be any sort of confident in the playoffs. You know, oh, I get absolutely it. not. Now, I get it. Pitching, you know, pitching wins championships, blah, blah, blah. Like, you'd rather have hit you, in, in the playoffs, you'd rather have great pitching than great offense. But you have to score at least a couple runs. I mean, we had a stretch this past week where we scored four, we scored one run in almost f- five games. Yeah, we had like twenty-seven innings or something. In we got shut. We got a run. we got shut out three out of four games. Uh, Once by Baltimore and twice by Seattle, I believe. Yeah. No, twice by Baltimore. We scored one run in the first game against the Mariners, I think. Yeah, that's that's correct. And then yeah. we got shut out again. It was zero zero one and zero. Yeah. Awful. So. And that run didn't even matter. They were down six nothing yeah. when that run came, by the way. <laughs> and uh it's not excuse me. Excuse me. Wow. Um Yeah, it's and even even though we've beaten the Royals the last two nights, the offense really hasn't gotten better. It's like we've had to just absolutely scratch and claw to get runs. So I joked in the group text of about a week and a half ago that the Guardians just left their bats in San Diego after they played the Padres. That's not an exaggeration. In this stretch where the Guardians have lost eight of their last ten since they went to Seattle to to play in the Emerald City, their run totals per game have been 1, 2, 4, 0, 5, 0, 0, 1, 0, 3, and then these last two games it's been 6 and 4. So that was an epically brutal stretch in the middle of that. You can't win. 
The the only the only saving grace that we have is the fact that we play in the worst division in baseball. By comparison, the pitching was not that bad. The pitching given up over that same period, 3-3-3-4-1-4-3-6-4-6-5-1. Yeah. Not I mean, those are told like you shouldn't be going 2 and 8 over a stretch where your pitching is doing that good. No. But again, we play in the worst division in baseball. So, you know, when that stretch happened, started, we had a four-game lead in the division. We, Like you said, we dropped eight out of ten. And as of right now, we have a two-game lead in the division. So we only lost two games in that stretch. Yeah. We lo- we, we ultimately we, we lost four, and we, we, we were level with the Twins, but we've won the last two nights, and they've lost. Yeah. So we're back up to two games. The only thing, as you said, is the White Sox are now firmly in the mix as well. There was a time about a week ago where we thought that this was down to a two-team race because the White Sox have fallen, I think, five and a half games behind. Snap your fingers a week later, they're two and a half. So, actually, we have four games left against Chicago. We have one that was on a makeup day home, and then we have three in Chicago after we play the Twins for five. Here's one thing that I is very concerning to me, though. We're, we were talking about, so there's 28 games left to go in the season. There's only 28 days left in the season. Yeah. We have a doubleheader on one of those days. We only have one off day the rest of the season. Yep. That is going to be a grind. Oh, yeah. And the one thing that I think would absolutely dash this team's chances right away is if they get injuries to the pitching staff in these last few weeks well, because uh, yeah. you're, you're going to be stretched hugely. You're not going to have – you don't have a whole bunch of off days to rest guys and, and get guys back in the rotation. It's it, it it's put up or shut up, and, you know, guys are just going to have to grind through it. Yeah. No, absolutely. I. It's going to be interesting, but, hey, it's a pennant race. We're going to have – we're going to be playing in, important baseball games the rest of the season. Yep. Rather that than the alternative. Absolutely. You know? So – Hopefully the Guardians can uh, can get back, get hot, and uh, you know beat up on the Twins, and uh, you know take a little bit of a chokehold lead on this division uh, in the next week. And the executives at Fox are taking notice because the Indians, well, excuse me, the Guardians versus Twins game is on Fox Saturday Baseball. Oh, there you on go. Saturday. There you go. Very nice. So go Guards, Gardos, go Gardos, and uh, yeah. That was the week that was with the Cleveland Guardians. So, your Cleveland Cavaliers are in the news. Come on, Cavs. Got to make it happen. Come on, Cavs. With your fast break action. Come on, Cavs. Got to make it happen. So, the Cleveland Cavaliers... Already one of the most up-and-coming uh, rosters and teams in the NBA after last season. Just almost, it wasn't random, but almost randomly traded for a top 20 player in the NBA last week after we recorded our podcast. So it's it's been a little while since we've been able to talk about this, but how are we feeling? Feeling pretty darn good, honestly. Yeah. I mean, not only did you get this guy, in terms of what you gave up, you gave up draft picks, okay? Thought is, is that if this play works, you're not going to be drafting inside the top 20 anyway. And it's pretty hard to hit on a top talent player 
you know, beyond 20th pick in the NBA draft. This isn't like the NFL draft where you got great guys in the back half of the first round, second round, third round. Right. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty darn hard um, if you look through history. The other thing is is this trade removes one of your possibly biggest headaches in terms of being a GM and trying to build a team over the next year or possibly two or beyond. And that's what they were going to do with Colin Sexton hmm. because it was clear that he wanted big money. The team wasn't really wanting to shell it out. The guy had just been injured the entire last season. Mm-hmm. This this trade here is, was a big signal to me that they didn't really want to keep him at the salary that he was wanting. So this gave them a convenient get-out-of-jail-free card to just ship him off and not have to worry about that. So really, in terms of what, what you're truly giving up, the piece that I was like most concerned about the giving up, oddly enough, was Laurie Markkinen. Mm. Who has proven to be somewhat of a matchup nightmare for some teams? You know this, you know, guy who can shoot threes and is almost seven feet tall and can you know really do things. Guy was our best player during that you know playing game against the Atlanta Hawks. You know, don't get me started on the whole you know playing tournament thing that you know basically forced the Cavaliers out of the playoffs. But um, you know, so so he'll be missed. But here's the bottom line. You were able to get a top, as you said, a top 20 player in the NBA on your roster, and you didn't have to give up any of your key assets to do it. You didn't have to give up Darius Garland. You didn't have to give up Evan Mobley. You didn't have to give up Jared Allen. You didn't have to give up any of those guys. That is a victory, unequivocally, period. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the biggest point. Of the, that's the biggest, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the biggest point of the whole thing. Uh, is you got a all a 25-year-old at this point, you can call him perennial all-star. He's a three-time all-star, 25-year-old, under contract for the next three years. And you got him, I'm not going to say basically giving up nothing, but just as you said, you gave you, you traded Colin Sexton, a guy who didn't play for you last year, so he had no impact on the team last year. None at all. Uh, this year's first-round pick, Ochai Abaji, who – has never played for the Cavs, so there's no impact there. I didn't even think he was worth mentioning, quite frankly. Uh, Laurie Markkinen, who had some nice moments for us last year, but the fit was a bit awkward, and, you know, I don't it, In order to get Donovan Mitchell, you're not going to stop me if you ask for Laurie Markkinen. So, no. whatever. The, the thing that everybody especially in Cleveland because in Cleveland we love our draft picks it's our you know it's our sacred treasure chest as our draft picks no matter if it's basketball or the NFL the Utah Jazz essentially control the Cavs draft for the next 5 years or not for 5 years starting in 2025 so because of the stepping rule the Cavs traded their first round pick for this coming year for Karis LeVert you can't trade first-round picks in two consecutive years. So we traded that first-round pick. We keep our 2024 first-round pick. So 2025 is when it starts. 2025, 2027, 2029, our first-round picks go to the Utah Jazz. No questions asked. 2026 and 2028, the Jazz own potential pick swaps, meaning the Jazz can swap spots with us in the first round if they want. Now... 
that is a bit far down the road. You're talking about 26 and 28. But if we're able to keep this core together, the Utah Jazz are not going to pick swap with us in those years because the Cavs will be better than the Utah Jazz. So the Utah Jazz are not going to move down. So that part of the trade means nothing to me. Mm. So in reality... To me, the Cavs really didn't trade that much. No, the only way in which they actually trade a lot is if the team just suddenly goes bust somehow in the next few years, yeah. and you end up and one missing of the, out and one on of the, you know top picks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, one of those picks turn you know turns into a top pick, top mm-hmm. or top three pick or something like that. Yeah, that would be the only thing. But you know, I'm banking on this core group, which now includes Donovan Mitchell, which is crazy. Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, to contend in the East. And it's crazy. You know, the Cavs had a nice season last year. They exceeded everybody's expectations. Darius Garland blossomed into uh, probably a top 10 point guard in the NBA. He was in the All-Star game. You know, the, the Cavs absolutely hit a home run with the with the draft pick of Evan Mobley as the third overall selection. Should have been rookie of the year, but we'll let that go. And absolutely stole Jared Allen in that uh James Harden trade with the Nets from a couple years ago where the Cavs were inserted in the trade to uh basically supply the Nets with another first round pick to, to send to Houston in order to get James Harden to the Nets, who in like a year and a half ended up getting traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have uh, an all-star center for basically nothing. So, uh, yeah. I mean, do I go as far as to say that the team's future is as bright as it was when LeBron came back in 2014? No, I'm not going to go that far because uh, that team – has had two Hall of Famers on it and potentially a third if Kyrie Irving ever gets his act together. Kevin Love, obviously LeBron James is making the Hall of Fame. Kevin Love's making the Hall of Fame as well mm-hmm. in the NBA, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And his number is going to be in the rafters at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse when he's done playing, 100%. So I don't I don't know if it's if it's that you know you'd have to guarantee me a championship with this group which hey you had Donovan Mitchell this court I, I, anything's possible you're on, you're on the way there anything sure. is possible so man that's exciting that is so exciting Donovan Mitchell it's crazy too because like you know you listen to the radio uh, about a week and a half ago and Brian Windhorst was on. ESPN Cleveland, and he was talking about how the Cavs, did they talk to Utah about a potential Donovan Mitchell trade? Yeah, but it was kind of like, uh, hey, checking in just to see kind of what you want for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, okay, 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 and maybe we'll talk to you later, blah, blah, blah. So Windhorse kind of said, yeah, they talked, but he didn't expect it to get very serious. And everybody expected that Donovan Mitchell was going to end up going to the Knicks. 
you talk about a franchise that just constantly fumbles the bag. This is a really funny angle, actually. You know, you were ripping on Brooklyn earlier, you know, with the whole Jared Allen thing. But by the way, thanks, Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, you know, very and- rarely, very rarely <laughs> do I feel bad for New York sports fans, but by God, they're basketball. So the thought was, was that, and in fact, Knicks executives were actually in attendance at the playoff game for the Jazz when, when they were playing the Mavericks. And I, 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 that probably didn't have any bearing on anything, but the thought was was that the Knicks were going to make a really, really good offer. And Adrian Wojnarowski even, even reported in July that it was a trade package featuring R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Mitchell Robinson, and also three unprotected first-round picks, which— Ultimately, is what the Cavs gave up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they were going to give up three players and three unprotected picks, and the Jazz said no. Yeah, and they decided to trade with the Cavs instead. Well, so like you said, that was back in July. So what happened was is there was there were additional talks uh, in the days before that the Jazz actually made the trade with the Cavs, where the trade offer was two unprotected first round picks and R.J. Barrett. Now, on its face, you think that, well, Cavs offered three, Knicks offered two, Cavs offers better. Not necessarily. Those unprotected picks from the New York Knicks could end could have ended up being very high. Could because have been in the top even, five, top e- three. E- right, even if Donovan Mitchell's on the Knicks, it's just Donovan Mitchell. Like, they don't have – if they're, they're trading their best player, R.J. Barrett, to the Knicks in exchange for him. Right, this would be like and the Cavs trading Evan Mobley or – Darius Garland. Exactly. So those picks that the Knicks would have offered the Jazz, they would have for sure been in the lottery. And they would have had the chance to be in the top 10. In the NBA, you take two top 10 picks over three picks in the 20s any day of the week. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So that's why the Knicks, even even the latest uh, package was considered better than the Cavaliers. I don't know what happened, but the New York Knicks trade proposal uh, fell apart, and they gave R.J. Barrett a contract extension. And to which the Jazz said, uh, "Okay, see you later," and they made the deal with the Cavs. Unbelievable! <laughs> Only the Knicks, man. Only the Knickerbockers could do something like that. And Donovan Mitchell, he now obviously he's happy to come to Cleveland because he's coming to a contending team. Donovan Mitchell's from New York. He wanted to go to the Knicks. Absolutely. It wasn't something he, where like he, he was also him threw, and, He also threw Brooklyn out there. as. Yeah, it wasn't like something he was hemming and hawing about, like, ah, I don't want to go to the Knicks because they stink. No, he wanted to go home. But they didn't make the deal, and he ended up going to Cleveland. And now he's going to contend for – the Eastern Conference Championship, probably. You know, and even if even if he's one of those you know superficial, stereotypical types who just thinks that Cleveland is boring and all that, and it's snowy and miserable. See, that's and nasty. so overrated. I mean, I mean even me. if even if that was the case, right? He's still going to get to play with young core guys who oh, are from only a basketball getting better. Standpoint. From a basketball perspective, this is a, and you said he's under contract for the next three seasons. So like, yeah. this this is about as good of a situation as you can have. Other than like maybe going to like Golden State or Boston or someplace, yeah, you know, so or like, or like Miami, Miami, or something like yeah, that. Well, if you're going to throw the weather angle in there, then certainly. Well, that Miami is objectively a really the, good basketball the fun team. Capital of the 
country other than maybe LA. Yeah. Well, then they, they, they suck as a sports city. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's going to be really interesting, and obviously we will talk more about the Cavaliers as we get closer to the season. Uh, it's they've got about six, seven weeks until the season starts. But man, Rocket Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse was rocking last year for that for that young, exciting team. This is going to be close to the LeBron years. This is going to be. I mean, this really has the feel of a 2006, 2007, you know, early middle LeBron 1.0 era vibe to it. Yeah. Like this, this is going to be good the next few years. Yeah. It really is. The only they won thing. won 44 games a season ago. Like, I mean, just. And, right. And they won, they won 44 games last year. And again, they didn't have to dismantle their core in order to, to get a perennial young all star player. Yeah. What's not to like about that? Haha. <laughs> All right, Nick Gilbert. What's not to like? There's nothing not to like about that. Everything to like about the Cavaliers uh, trading for Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Crazy. Crazy. Hopefully, the city will be and stepping you know, up come November and and supporting the Cavaliers better than they're supporting the Guardians right now. Ugh. Another thing. Another thing to talk about with Donovan Mitchell. He's already playoff tested. This is a That's guy. A great point. This is a guy that in three consecutive games in 2020, it was in the bubble, but against the Nuggets, this guy put up 40, 51, like like 40, 51, and 57 in consecutive games. What what was the thing that we complained most about at the end of the Cavs season, where they kind of ran out of steam? Everything had to go through Darius Garland. Yeah. They didn't have another guy on the roster that could go get his own shot. They tried with the trade of Karis LeVert. It didn't really work. He got injured when we traded for him. He never really got his legs underneath him. Maybe he has a better... That's another guy that we didn't even talk about that we still have. Yeah, we didn't have Karis to him LeVert. up either. Now, it'll be interesting if the Cavs uh, you know, use him as a trade chip to kind of move to get... Uh, uh, some sort of an established three and D wing type player because that still is a glaring hole in our roster. You know how you know how uh, when Ray Farmer was here, and you could even talk about it with Andrew Barry now looking at the Browns wide receivers. Ray Farmer and Andrew Barry have a, a blind spot on the roster, and it's wide receiver. They just can't figure out how to get good, you know, great wide receivers. We had Jarvis Landry. Andrew Barry didn't bring Jarvis Landry, and that was that was. Um, John Dorsey, and then the whole OBJ fiasco. But it seems like Kobe Altman has that same blind spot before wing players. Yeah. You cannot contend for an NBA championship if you do not have an, uh, a good wing. 3 and D wing. The only way you can is if your guards or your center are just otherworldly. Yeah, you know, I think the Shaq yeah. Kobe teams with the Lakers or or the Splash Brothers and well, but Golden again, State. Kobe served yeah. as that wing. Kobe was six seven and he was a great defender. Yeah, we don't have that. Like Donovan Mitchell is like six two. Donovan Mitchell is very small. Now he's stupid athletic and he has a really long wingspan, so he's able to defend a little bit better. But he's not. He's not going to be defending guys like Giannis, LeBron, Durant. No. You no. know, he's not going to be doing that. You know, we're going to have guys like Karis LeVert and friggin' Chetty trying to check those guys, and it's not going to work. No. It's not. So, Kobe, we still have some work to do. 
to be a real legitimate contender. Could the Cavs fight to host a first-round playoff series this year as the roster stands right now? Absolutely. Even though I think the East is way stronger than the West is, I certainly think that's possible. But if they want to legitimately try and go to the finals over the next three years, they have to do that. They've got a window to do it. Absolutely. They they have got a window to do it because the teams at the top of the East, I don't see any dynasties out there. I mean, Miami's good. No, but all all teams are really, really good. There's a couple other teams that are kind of there, like Philadelphia, but they can't put it together. Yeah. So it's... The, the, the opportunity's right there. You have up-and-coming teams like like uh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. If Brooklyn ever gets their act together, I mean, you know, not 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 like I pick not not like I picked them to go to the finals from the eight seed and then they lost in the first round. Yeah, I'm not still salty about that one. But uh, anytime yeah. Kevin Durant fails, I'm happy. <laughs> hate that dude absolutely um well, it cost us at least one championship yeah him and kelly olenic oh he absolutely cost the Cavs a title yeah that's a fact yeah so anyway um yeah i am super excited about the cavaliers this season um it's going to be fun to have um well like i said we had exciting basketball in cleveland last year like that team was so damn fun to watch last year they just ran out of steam at the end of the season because, you know, we put way too much on Darius Garland at the end of the season. And now we don't have that because we have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. The Cavs have one of the best backcourts in the NBA, bar none. So, uh, like I said, we'll get more in-depth on the Cavaliers as we get closer to the season and we kind of switch from baseball to basketball. Um, but we definitely wanted to cover that. We definitely wanted to talk about that. Super excited. Donovan freaking Mitchell's a Cavalier. Crazy. Hats off to Kobe Altman, man. Got it done. Well, you know, there's something to be said about you, the NBA probably has more rumors as far as trades and free agency go than any other American sport. There's something to be said about in the NBA is getting trade talks over the finish line, crossing the finish line, actually getting deals done. We just talked about the New York Knicks and how they're not able to do that. Colby Altman just showed he's able to do that. And that's big for the Cavs. And we got Donovan Mitchell. So, anyway, that is the Cavaliers. But, the main event on this week's episode, we had college football this past weekend. So we got a taste. Ohio State beat Notre Dame. Good fight back by the Buckeyes, by the way. The Notre Dame came out, and they played extremely well for the first three quarters of that game. Yeah, Ohio State was kind of fluttering, especially on offense, and they, they were really hurting themselves with penalties in if you the go third back, quarter. If you go back over the last two decades, Ohio State struggles with big non-conference games at home. Yeah, they do. I mean, they got beat by Virginia Tech. They got beat by Oklahoma. Uh-huh. They got beat by Oregon last year. Yeah. You go wasn't back there a a, wasn't there a year they got beat by Texas too? Yeah, indeed. When the that was the year Texas won the national championship, actually. Uh they lost at home to Oregon last year. Yes. Who's not 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 a not a perennial national championship power, but they're good enough. Right. And they came into the shoe and won. Um so yeah, I mean, 
you know, in the moment and watching it, I wasn't very impressed at all with Ohio State. Uh, they struggled with Notre Dame. Now, people say, oh, Notre Dame's the top five team in the country. Ah, we'll see at the end of the year. I mean, their track record, I mean, say what you want about them, you know, not showing up and winning big games, but they're a team that's always consistently top ten, sometimes top five. Seems like they always end up in that four spot for the CFP, which thankfully, thanks to the Cincinnati Bearcats, they were not in that position last year. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see come the end of the season. But uh, but anyway, the main event, the NFL is back, and it's back tomorrow. Actually, if you're listening to this, it's back tonight. Finally! <laughs> Football is back, and the Browns play on Sunday against a familiar now foe. We've talked about it ad nauseum. The Browns go down to Carolina to face the Carolina Panthers and our former quarterback, former number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield. So, we are going to go ahead and pick every single game going into week one and no time but the present to go ahead and get into it and let's talk about Browns versus Panthers. And I do believe that we're going to have to also make our um, survival pick as well. Oh, yeah. So we're doing a survivor uh, pick, uh, which is going to be weird because it's just the two of us. But, hey. So, anyway, uh, Browns versus Panthers. The Baker-Browns, whichever way you want to call it, revenge game. We have waited all the – and i got to be completely honest with you. We, and we talked about it when we did the Jacoby Brissett schedule game. I am not – I'm not high on this season at all. Yeah, because, I mean, when we went game by game, I think you had them four and seven after 11 games. Yeah, which puts them out of playoff contention, in my opinion, unless Deshaun Watson were to come back and go 6-0. and Right. So – um. Yeah. I want to say that the Browns win this game, but there is way too much going against the Browns in order to pick them. And I will just lay it out there flat. The Browns don't win flat out. The Browns don't win openers. No. We haven't won an opener since 2004, ladies and gentlemen. 2004. 18 years. That that Steve and I that were juniors. Is, Steve and I were Steve and I were seniors in high school. That streak is old enough to drive, is old enough to <laughs> vote, is old enough to go fight a war. Like seriously. Yeah. So, why do we think this is going to be any different? And given our track record, going up against a maligned former starting quarterback that has an axe to grind against us, why should I not believe that he's not going to throw for 350 and three touchdowns and beat our ass? I don't know. Am I talking crazy? That, no, that's pretty much exactly what I think is going to happen. So, it, You know what? I mean, to be completely honest with you, and I'm, and I'm never root for a guy that gets hurt. I, I mean, I'm seriously considering. The only, way, the only way I feel like the Browns are going to win this game is if Miles Garrett sacks Baker and injures him in the first quarter and Sam Darnold has to come in. Well, Sam Darnold's not even coming in because he got hurt. So P.J. Walker, whoever the hell their backup quarterback is, has to come in. 
That's the only way I think we're going to win. I know, I already know what's going to happen. Is that, and again, I'm going to say, I was a Baker fan when he was here. I'm a Browns fan, so I'm not rooting for Baker. So if so, you know what's going to happen? That we're going to have a like two-point lead with two minutes to go, and that jackass is going to get the football, and he's going to drive the Panthers into field goal range, and they're going to beat us by one point. So you think the Browns are going to cover? I not win. Yeah, I don't. What? Where are we? Like plus? What are we? Plus two? Minus one and a half. Or, well, no, Browns are plus one and a half. Plus one and a half. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's what's going to go happen. We through those games by the spread, also. By the way. <laughs> are we picking against the spread? Yeah. Or are we just picking straight up. Uh. Well. Okay. That's that's on you. Do you, do you want to do straight up? Yeah. We did the spread last year, didn't we? Yeah. That's too. That was harder. Let's okay. Spread. Yeah. yeah. Um. Because I want, I, I want to see what you know. That, uh, don't want to get into another subject. This would get political. But sport, the 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 thing about sports gambling in the state. Oh, we're gonna have it ready by uh, the first of January. So you're gonna, miss, you're gonna miss the whole NFL season. Basically, yeah. I mean, we'll be able to bet on the playoff games, but last two weeks of the regular season, the playoffs. All right, cool. <sighs> <laughs> so basically, I want to see what I, I want to see how we would do if like we were actually putting money on it and betting against the spread. So I want to see. So it, you know, if if either one of us goes better than five hundred, the next year, the next football season, we'll have to put some actual wagers on some of these games. So anyway, uh, yeah, I am going to. I'm going to pick the. Oh God, I hate this. Don't be a homer. Don't be a homer. Don't be a homer. No, we're not going to win. We're going to lose because we don't win openers. Until this team proves to me that they can win an opener, I'm not going to pick them to win an opener. And I think just because, listen, I'm a Browns fan, and I've gone through every single every single style thing you can come up with as far as heartbreak with this football team. This would be the next level of next levels is that guy. Driving down the field with two minutes left on our, uh, everybody wants to say now, vaunted defense. And driving into field goal range and their kicker hits a field goal as time expires and we lose the game by one. I find this fascinating because you and I both foresee our absolute sporting nightmare out of this game. You see a game where the Browns are winning until the bitter end and they lose on a field goal at the buzzer, which is your least preferred way to lose a game. Whereas I don't think this game is going to be nearly that dramatic. I think the Panthers could win this game by 20, maybe even 30. I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. I'm, I'm seriously considering making the Browns my survival choice this week. Like I'm, I'm that dead set that it's just going to be a mess. I, nah, I don't think it'll be that way. Total, It's going to be a total disaster. I don't think it'll be game. that way. Uh, I actually think, th- think the opener against the Ravens from two years ago, it's going to be just like that. You gotta remember the Panthers aren't very good. I, I know they're not very good, but on this day, they're gonna they're gonna play. I well actually or not. I, I actually think the Browns are gonna lead most of the game. I just think late in the game the Browns are gonna mm. capitulate and Baker's going to drive a stake through our hearts. And then I'm telling you right now, when they lose this game, that that's going to be a dark cloud that lingers over this season, the entire season. I don't agree with that. My I think the Browns go out, they beat the Jets the next week and it's done. 
Well, okay, I'm not saying they're going to go out and they're going to lose every game, but what I'm saying is mm. that this is going to be a tone that is set for the season, and it's not going to be very good. Well, boy, if you can't get that out of your mind, I mean, that's clearly just bad bad mentality, bad mental fortitude on the team's part if it does come down to that. And they truly are screwed if if, if that's the way things are going to go down. Well, I mean, I don't think – even if we win this game, even, even if we win this game on Sunday, I still don't think we're going to be very good. You know, there was somebody – Somebody uh, posted on Twitter. They're like, uh, because the the Steelers announced Mitch Trubisky is going to be their starter, and then the Jets, Zach Wilson's going to miss the first four games. Not that that's a really big deal because I don't think that he's that good, but Zach Wilson's going to miss at least the first four games of the season with injury. So Joe Flacco is going to be the quarterback that faces the Browns in Week 2 for the Jets. So somebody posted on Twitter. They're like, you know, as as like this is some sort of like – like good thing, which it is. Like we're we're not playing very good quarterbacks to start the season, but we're playing Baker, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, and uh, who do we play week four? Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Uh, Marcus Mariota. Like those are the four quarterbacks that the Browns will, will uh, that the Browns will face. And then I just uh, I quote tweeted it and I said, Browns quarterback through all those games, Jacoby Brissett. Like uh, we, yeah. All those quarterbacks that we're going to face, they're not that good. You know, you would think probably Baker's probably the best of the lot. I know you love Mitch Trubisky, so maybe you think Trubisky's better. But, like, they're, they're going to be going up against an equally mediocre quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. So, I don't understand the, oh, wow, it's going to be easy. Yeah, it should be in theory. I don't know what we're going to get out of Jacoby Brissett. I have no idea. Mm. Frankly, I don't think it's going to be very good. Probably not. If you had to guess. Yeah. I'm So, unless we just run the hell out of the ball, which we should, but I don't think we will because Kevin Stefanski doesn't call his offense like that. So, uh, I don't know. I just don't have a very good feeling. You definitely hope that Stefanski will have learned a little bit from last year and not pass the football so much. The team yeah. is especially, I mean, the team was not extremely well geared to throw it all over the place last year, but you could at least make a case for it with if you had a healthy Baker Mayfield and you had guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. But now you have no ability, almost none whatsoever, to do that. So you've got to play to your strengths now, and if you don't, you're you're done. Unless you just win on defense and special teams all the time, which, I mean, the Browns' defense is good. I don't know if it's elite. I guess we're going to find out about that. Um, But if the Browns are going to be contenders in any sense this season, you get the feeling the Browns' defense has to be elite, and they're going to have to win some games basically on their own. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. So... Uh yeah, it's gonna be. Oh, God. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. If you're listening out there and you think I'm crazy, hit us up on social media and, t- and tell me that I'm crazy. But I don't. I don't know. I just. You're I don't have most definitely not crazy. I don't have. I don't have a good feeling about this. I really don't. No. No. Anybody that does have a good feeling about this 
they're the ones who are crazy. Wow, they're just wearing they're just wearing the orange and brown colored glasses. Yeah, they're the they ones just, who have been partaking. Like, do you guys realize? Like, listen, like, listen to me, listen to me. If this game was week two and we were playing the Jets week one, I'd say all day that the Browns were going to win. That would be wild for me picking the Jets over the Browns, but I'd be I'd be I'd be forced to do it if right. it was week one. Right, but this is this all comes down to the fact that the Browns do not it doesn't matter the opponent. We've faced bad teams, we've faced good teams in the opening game. And we always lose. Yeah, it doesn't matter who we play. Sometimes they put us up against good teams like So Baltimore. until that changes, I cannot pick the Browns to win. To me, if if you're in a survivor pool, like I, you know what, I bet you that there are going to be a lot of Browns fans that are going to be kicked out of their survivor pool week one because they're going to pick the Browns. Oh, that's right. We're picking winners. We're not picking losers. Oops. Why were we? So- well, I participated in a survival pool for years that was pick the loser, not the winner. I guess the winner is the more traditional way to do it. Yeah, I've always I've always done uh, winners. Okay, but uh, so in that sense, picking Carolina Week One might not be a bad decision if you get through, because then you, if they're not even one of the better teams, but yeah. it'd be a little bit risky. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I think there's going to be a bunch of Browns fans that are going to get knocked out of their survivor pools in Week One. I really do. Hmm. So we'll see what happens. I. <sighs> Yeah, I'm I'm on record saying that the Browns are going the Browns are going to cover, but they're going to lose. And you think the Browns are going to get dem- demolished? Yeah, I mean I'm thinking like 38-10, something like that. It's oh be, my god! Yeah. If they lose 38 to 10, they might go two and nine before <laughs> Deshaun Watson is back. It's a week. To they week. lose 38 to 10 to Carolina. It's a week. Kevin to Stefanski week. is firmly. Sat on the hot seat. Right off the bat, week one? 30, Seriously? 38 to 10 to Carolina and Baker Mayfield, the guy that he wanted jettisoned to the farthest part of our nation? We're the Browns Chelsea Football Club now. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, Stefanski better hope that's not the case. Yeah, wow. Well, I'll, t- <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. The Browns spent uh, a comparable amount of money in the offseason like Chelsea did. Hmm. And they gave uh, 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 Deshaun Watson a $230 million guaranteed contract. You are absolutely right about that. And he's not even going to play for the majority of the season. But, yeah, so that's where we go. I'm going to go 24 to 23, Carolina. And you say 38 to 10? Yes. Oh, my God. I'll tell you one thing, folks. If it's 31 to 10, if it's 20, if if we lose 24 to 23 on a last second field goal, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be downtrodden, depressed. (laughs) Listen, downtrodden and depressed Browns fan. If they lose 38 to 10 to Baker Mayfield, I'm going to be calling for people's jobs on the post game show. Week one. Steve, this isn't, this isn't losing to Kansas City and Arrowhead 38 to 10. This is freaking Carolina and Baker Mayfield. I don't think Baker Mayfield's as bad as as everybody wants. Everybody that's turned on him wants to make everybody believe he's not. But still, that's our former quarterback. 
that we traded away willingly. Who's extremely motivated and wants to do everything possible to bash our faces. I understand that. And so if that happens and he succeeds, what am I going to do? Just be like, oh, okay, well, let's just move on to week two. He got what he wanted. No, I'm going to be pissed. And you'd have every right to be pissed. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. And I'm going to put Kevin Stefanski on the hot seat. You cannot go down there after you traded him away, after you wanted him gone, and that's well documented, and you lose to him by four touchdowns in week one, get the hell out of here. All will be forgiven 11 days later if they beat Pittsburgh. It's a week-to-week league. It's a results league. That's all I'm saying. Oh, not if they follow up week one and lose week two to the Jets. Well, now that would – see, that to me would be even worse because the Jets are maybe the worst team in football. Yeah, but the stakes are so high. This is week one that we always lose against our former quarterback, the guy that there is so much vitriol for among fans and even the team and the coaching staff for this guy that they traded him away and they were willing to get dragged through the mud with the Deshaun Watson situation just to get away from this guy. If you go down there and you come home with an ass kicking, it's going to be bad. There's no way around it. For me, if that happens, there's no, oh, let's pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and get ready for week two. Even if we even if we come back and we beat the Jets 37 to 3, I'm going to I'm still going to be pissed about week 1. And yeah, beating the Steelers will be nice. But, you know what's you know what's going to happen? If if that happens and we beat the Steelers and let's say we beat the Steelers convincingly, we're going to be sitting there at 2 and 1. I'm this is why I'm telling you, this game is going to be a dark cloud over our season. We're going to be sitting there like, man, we should be 3 and 0 right now. Sure, I mean, that's natural, but you have to consider the fact that out of those three games you just mentioned, the Carolina game is the one that matters the least. That's an NFC game. That's a game that's I, not going to help you. For, I understand for, that. I understand that, but... Uh, versus, see, but I'm not going to think about that until December. Uh, fair enough. I, to me, I'm talking about being in the moment. That loss will sting for me, especially if we lose the way you say we're going to lose. That game's going to stick in my craw the entire season. You know, this is why I don't watch reality television. This is why I don't watch <laughs> The Real Housewives of Blah 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 City, or I don't watch The Bachelor, or The Bachelor or Bachelorettes now, as the current season is. You know, this this game has always looked to me like the sports version of that. It's it's about oh, it's much gonna, more than the game itself. It's a, it's emotions. It's this. It's that. It's gonna be it's, an episode. It's, just, it's gonna be like an episode yeah. of Monday Night Raw and the Attitude Era. I mean, that's that's really what this, is. and that's why like. This game, I can't get myself to care about this game any more than any other game. Because you like, know what's going to, yeah, you say, the game, yeah, you say You're 1-0 that. or you're 0-1. It counts just as much as the others. Actually, it yeah, counts less when you consider tiebreakers. But You're talking a good game, but I, I, I don't think, I, I don't see. I think you're going to be able to do that if the game ends up the way that you say it is because we've always had differing views. If the game ends up like I say it's going to be, you're going to be pissed. If Maybe we, I'll if, feel a little bit stung, but I mean, we don't win Week One, so like I'm not expecting. I know, to win week but one. it's just it's against that guy. And again, you and I, you even more so than I am now. I'm to me, he's the enemy now. I want to beat his ass 
as much as I want to beat the Steelers because because it's week one, it's the first game, because you know what's going to happen. Is that guy, if that game ends up the way that you say it's going to, you know what he's going to do? He's going to do the same thing that he did to Hugh Jackson when Hugh Jackson got fired and went to the Bengals. He's going to throw a touchdown pass, and then he's going to peacock all over the field and look back at Kevin Stefanski and just stare at him. So he's going to do a Katy Perry and say, let me see your peacock? Yeah. He probably will do that. And actually, that that was pretty cool when he did that to Hugh Jackson. I I, I dug that. That that will absolutely infuriate. Well, here's the thing. I classify Baker Mayfield as more more as a frenemy. And the reason I do that is because November 20th, when the Panthers go to M&T Bank Stadium and play the Ravens, and December 18th, when the Steelers go there to Bank of America Stadium. Oh, I'll root for him in those games. Like, he could really do us a serious solid once we get to that point in the I season. I agree with that. Any Browns fan that roots for the Steelers or the Ravens in games against Baker Mayfield are friggin' assholes. They, they should be just kicked out. Yes. Like, 100%. gone, sorry, you're out of here. 100%. Oh, God. Ditto when they play the Bengals on November the 6th. Jeez, I'm, like, sweating right now. I'm, I'm, you got me. I'm so worked up about this game on Sunday. I'll tell you what, guys. I, you are not going – listen, this, is, this has been a 15-minute promo for our post-game shows because if either one happens that we said it's going to happen, that post-game show might be the greatest of all time. Is and we wrong? and we did a post game show after a playoff win in Pittsburgh. Yes, we did. That was maybe the most celebratory post game show we've ever. This done. will be the literal antithesis of that. Either way, because if we lose twenty four twenty three on a, on a field goal at at the last second, I'm going to be sad bastard, uh, you know, crying in my cornflakes. Browns fan, if we lose thirty eight to ten, there will be hell. Fire and brimstone in my eyes. Most games where the Browns lose, I'm not necessarily looking forward to doing post game. But if that scenario plays out on Sunday, I'm actually going to be like, oh man, I'm going to be early to the studio because I can't wait to see <laughs> just jackass. how mad Dan is and how much his blood pressure is. <laughs> Such a jackass. <laughs> oh God. Well, tune in on Sunday night for that. <laughs> Jeez. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> oh, by the way, before we get to any of the other games, uh, what's your favorite NFL uh, jingle? Like from the from the like like the CBS one, uh, ESPN Monday Night Football, uh, Sunday Night Football, and then we'll do. Amazon's gonna have a new one for thir- for tomorrow, but yeah. we'll do we'll do the NFL Network's version. You know, actually, when the NFL Network had the Thursday night games, I actually like theirs the best. Really? Yeah, the one where it started with the jingle and then and then hit with the dramatic tone. Like I I really dug that. But of the, of the current ones, it's probably Fox. Really? Yeah. You like Fox, huh? That is good. There to me, there isn't a bad one. I. I just I don't know if it's because we play most of our games on this network. I love CBS. CBS. Yeah, I just ugh. I love it. I love that football's back. And you know what's gonna happen? Within within friggin' four hours of foot Browns football being back, I'm gonna be pissed. Are you saying CBS just because every so often you get to hear Hello, friends. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Does I don't think he does that on the NFL broadcast, does he? I thought he does. Does he? I, I thought he just did that we with the We don't get Masters. to see Jim Nance all that often, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be that as it may. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know how this game is not in prime time. I mean, the storylines for this game. Yeah, no just... kidding. You would have thought that this would have been one of the games that they would have picked for prime time. I do, I do think one of the games that they are. But they've. I mean, that's not to say they don't have fabulous games in prime well, they all, this week. They do. They also they, they also have uh, uh, the Seahawks playing Russell Wilson that week one as well. So there's another. Which, in terms game. of like team strength, that's just as questionable a matchup as as Browns Panthers. Oh sure. So even more so probably because yeah. Seahawks are going to blow. Uh yeah, the Seahawks are going to be pretty. bad. I don't think the Panthers are going to be that bad. To be honest with you, I do. I think they're going to be great. No, but. Okay, so we picked one game. Now let's let's yeah. go through the rest of these games. Okay, so just for the record, you had the Browns covering that yes. game. Yep. And I had the Panthers not just covering, but covering by eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, market. okay, whatever. So that's the first game. So let's back up to Thursday night. We have <clears throat> let me just mark this here. And I'll and I'll say this. I'll say this. Especially week one. You know, week one's always a crapshoot, but for me, week one's going to be a, a total crapshoot because I've tried, because of the Deshaun Watson situation with the Browns, I've tried to spend the least amount of time paying attention to the NFL this offseason. There are a lot of things that I, I just I have no idea about. They, okay, so the NFL has a habit of making week one difficult in terms of picks. And what I mean by that is they have a habit of putting good teams against good from the previous season and bad against bad. Yeah. So you'll, that'll be the theme as we go down it. So Thursday night, you've got the Los Angeles Rams, the Super Bowl champions, playing uh, actually not at home, which is kind of strange, um, at Buffalo against the Bills. What's, this, what's the line? The Bills are actually favored by two and a half. I'll take the Bills. Uh, I'm going to take Buffalo as well. I, I do think the Bills will win by at least a field goal there. Hopefully Matthew Stafford gets me some points in fantasy, but it won't be enough for the Rams. Game number two. So you've got the Ravens playing on the road at the Jets. Baltimore is favored by seven. Interesting storyline. Which line. gives me a little bit of pause. Interesting storyline there is uh, Joe Flacco playing against his former team. Yeah, that is interesting, actually. That's uh, another reason <laughs> to give me a little bit of pause boy. there. I mean, this, this usually is a very would-be, you know, to me, would be Baltimore all the way. But week one on the road, giving seven. Yeah. Oh. And that's going to be a theme, too, as we're going to go down this. There's a lot of road team, road favorites here in week one. I'll go the Ravens. Yeah. If I if I lose that, uh, it's whatever. I'm not going to be mad about picking the Ravens and the Jets covering because I if I if there's no way. I, I don't know. You know what? Give me the Jets to cover that game. Ooh, okay. I don't think they're going to win outright, but I do think it's going to be less than a touchdown win. So for we're the opposite on we're opposite on two of the first three picks. Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Next game. Oh boy, this this is a toilet bowl game if there ever was one. Jacksonville going to FedEx Field to play the Commanders. Well, toilet bowl because their pipes burst at that stadium all the time. Ah, uh, yeah. What's the line? Commanders by two and a half. Give me the Jags. Mm, Dan's going with I the Jags. I think the Jags are going to win that game outright. I, I couldn't doubt that. 
I mean, I, this is a game where I could see pretty much anything happening, but uh, I think the Commanders are the better defense. I'm, I'm going to go with the Commanders. To cover I that. just think the Jags, weirdly, have the advantage at coaching quarterback. Mm-hmm. They have a coach that's won a Super Bowl, it. and I think Trevor Lawrence is going to make a big step forward this year. Well, if you think that, then then you are bullish on the Jaguars, and you're probably thinking they're going to win more than a few games. So, I think that, they're, they're over-under is like case. six, six and a half. See, I don't think there's any way they would cover that, but their division's not very good, so right. could be. Anyway, Indianapolis. So are we opposite on that one, too? We're opposite on that one, too. Oh, boy. Indianapolis, minus seven against the Texans in Houston. Another one. A lot of points to be given. And and I hate betting on any games involving the Colts. Uh, the Colts just I know. They they just go to the beat of their own drum and you just never know what you're gonna get from them from week to week. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna take them though. Uh you know Give me I'm, the Colts. I'm gonna take Indianapolis. I think too. I think I think Matt Ryan is going to be just enough stability for them that do I think they're like a contender in the AFC? No. But I don't see them going high high of highs and low of lows. Like they had been in the past few years, so like this, if they lost this, even to me, if they didn't cover this game, would be a low of low. I actually take solace in the fact that Indianapolis either loses big or wins big a lot. So yeah. you know, just give me the Colts there. I, 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 the Houston's going to be terrible. New England playing at Miami. Miami's favored by three and a half, which that is a surprising line to me. Miami always plays New England tough in Miami. They do. This is the battle of the Alabama quarterbacks. Mac Jones versus Tua Tagovailoa. Yep. Miami definitely has the advantage in weapons as far as receivers go. You have to wonder what Tyreek Hill's impact is going to be. I think he's going to struggle this year, frankly, but we'll see on that. What's the line? Miami Minus three and a half, Miami. Give me New England. It's that half point that does it for yeah, me. Give me, give, give, me the, give me the Patriots. Even the Miami win by a field goal and New England covers, so I, I'm going Patriots. Yep. Uh, New Orleans favored by five and a half. Like, again, road favorites all over the place here. New Orleans favored by five and a half against the Falcons. Atlanta is terrible, but New Orleans is rarely a team you can depend on. Largely because of who their quarterback is. Give me Atlanta to cover that. Ooh, Dan is going with Atlanta to cover. And that Atlanta, that 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 seems like a field goal game to me. I, I really can't. I. Oh, this is just. I could see New Orleans just blowing Atlanta away, or I could see Atlanta winning this game outright. I have no clue what's going to happen in this yeah, game. I mean, this is week one give of the me, NFL, give man. Me, give me the Falcons uh, to, at the very least, cover that game. The Falcons. Philadelphia, another road favorite, minus four, going to Ford Field to play the Lions. Give me the birds. Yeah. Detroit's terrible. Give me, give me Philadelphia. I think Detroit's going to be better this year. But I don't think it starts week one. Phil, the thing that worries me about a game like this is the Phillies' defense is not good. Like, True, but e- even so, I I think that makes it to be a more open game, and and a four point line is less daunting in a, in a shootout type game. So I'm I'm going Philly. Pittsburgh, 
is not favored on the road. They are playing at Cincinnati, and the Bengals are six-and-a-half-point favorites. Give me Pittsburgh. Oh, Dan going with Pittsburgh. And you know what? I agree with that. In fact, I think Pittsburgh's going to win the game outright. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be outright, but uh, giving the Steelers six points in any divisional game is too much. Pittsburgh has a great history against remember, the Bengals in Cincinnati. Remember, the Bengals handled Pittsburgh in both games last year, so you don't think Pittsburgh's going to be coming back with some, some revenge in their mind? Yeah, they Pittsburgh is... And again, I don't I don't know that Pittsburgh wins that game outright, but six six is too much for Pittsburgh in any divisional game. And my whole thing with Cincinnati is that this is going to be a total Super Bowl hangover year. They're going to regress badly, and this is on brand with Boy, them. I hope so. So give me the Steelers. San Francisco, big-time favorite, seven-point favorite at Soldier Field against the Bears. To me, this could have survival written on it here. Yeah, uh, give me the Niners to cover. Yeah, the Niners are going to walk this one. I think the Bears are I think the Bears are one of the worst teams in the league. They could be the worst team in football, frankly. Which I feel so bad for Justin Fields. I mean, I don't know if they're worse than the Jets, but I mean, or even you could throw other teams in that mix, but yeah, the Bears are not going to be good at all this year. Niners on the other hand, solid on the defensive side and they've got decent quarterbacking, so I like them. Here's here's a game that Vegas thinks is more of a toss-up. Green Bay Point-and-a-half favorite at Minnesota. Mm. Green Bay played a ridiculous stinker of an opener last year, but then righted the ship after that. Yeah. Minnesota's just, you know, they're one of those teams that everybody seems to expect more out of, and they just don't do it. New coach Um, this year. Seven and nine BS seems to be, you know, their thing. Yeah. Uh, Give me the Packers. Dan going with Green Bay. I'm also going with Green Bay. That's virtually a straight-up line, so, I'm, yeah, Green Bay. Kansas City, minus 6.5 going to the big toaster to play the Cardinals. Hmm. Cardinals started very strong last year out of the gates. Very. And faded. That seems to be the 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 calling card of the uh, Kingsbury uh, Kyler Murray regime in Arizona. So I think they keep that going. I'm actually going not 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 necessarily to win outright, but I'm going to take the Cardinals to cover that at home. I think Arizona does win this game outright. They I think could. Kansas City, for whatever reason. I'm I'm just not I don't know I'm not super high on them this year. I I think this is a year where they're gonna really kind of come back to the pack, and I think Arizona gets them in this game. So next game, another this is a divisional game. This this is one that has bad blood. The Las Vegas Raiders going to SoFi to take on the Chargers. Chargers are three point favorites on their home field. which to me seems like a surprisingly small line. That means that Vegas would have Vegas favored if it was in Vegas. I actually think the Raiders are going to win that game. Give me the Raiders. Wow, this is probably the game we differ most on. I think the Chargers are not only going to win, they're going to win big. 
I mean, I'm, I admittedly, I am way higher on the Chargers than pretty much anybody going into the season. I think they actually could be in the Super Bowl if things break their way. Not a chance in hell with that coach. There isn't mm-hmm. a chance in hell with that coach. <laughs> Matthew, sorry. I basically just jinxed him. So, you yeah. know, play this back in, in January. Justin when Herbert when also, as as good as he is, and he is good, he hasn't he hasn't gone to the playoffs yet. So No, he hasn't. I don't know how you can just assume. In the AFC, he's just going to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, he could, but I, not with that coach. That coach is too much of a wild card. He'll make some stupid decision that'll cost him a game. That'll, yeah. Last of the four o'clock window: New York Giants going to Nashville to face the Titans. Titans are five and a half point favorites. Titans are another team that, like Indianapolis, Give me the they Titans. seem to just do whatever. But the uh, Giants stink. Give me the Titans. Yeah, the Giants are not very good, and five and a half doesn't. Se- Vegas doesn't seem to like the Titans. Titans they, are going to win that give game them by a least, lot of favorable at lines, least a touchdown. So that's another one. Give me Tennessee. Yeah, I could see that. I just don't think the Giants can score points. So Daniel Dimes, no, sorry. Sunday night game. This one is a doozy. This is actually a repeat of last year's Week One Sunday night game. Yep. It just uh, with the home and away reversed. Tampa Bay, two and a half point favorites, playing on the road at Dallas. Dallas getting points at home against anybody is a bit of an eyebrow raiser to me. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady is dealing with a lot off the field right now with the rumors of his marriage falling apart to Giselle Bunchen. Yeah, reportedly Giselle was not too thrilled with him coming back and playing this yeah. year. So I actually think the Bucs are going to get off to a slow start this year. Uh, give me the Cowboys. Give me Dallas as well. The the two and a half gives me a little pause, bit of pause, yeah. but not that much. Yeah. I'm not thinking Tampa Bay by a field goal here. So I think Dallas wins outright. In fact, they may win this game comfortably. And then the Monday night game, which we referenced earlier, Denver playing at Seattle. This is the Russell Wilson immediate homecoming game. And boy, he's going to get a pretty rough reception, I would think. Uh Denver is six and a half point favorite here against the Seahawks. Seattle, you know. When was the last time the Seahawks were a six and a half point dog at home? At home, I boy, I can't remember. Probably before Pete Carroll. But I but I will say you you talked about some of the worst teams in the NFL. I think the Seahawks, without a doubt, are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Your quarterbacks are Geno Smith and Drew Locke. See, it's almost like a scam. I got DK Metcalf in round four of our fantasy draft. It's like, how in the world? Yeah, what's he going to do? Like throw the ball to himself? But he's got Geno Smith throwing the ball. Like, how's yeah. he good? <laughs> yeah. So, that being said, I do think the Seahawks are going to cover this game. Give me Denver. Oh, damn, thinking a, a more comfortable win by the Broncos. So there we have it. There are our week one picks. So now only one, only one Monday Night Football game this year. Yeah, week one. Don't they usually have two? They usually have two. Oh. Not this time. All right. Apparently. So now we have to make one final pick. We have to say which game is going to be our survival pick, and we're picking winners. Oh God. So who do you want as your survival pick? I'm going to go right back to the game we just picked. Uh, the Broncos. Give me Denver. Okay, so Dan says Denver. And let's see here. Survival choice. That's uh, to me, I think that's that that's pro- the the only other game that I thought was that easy of a pick really was 
uh, Tennessee over the Giants. That's one of the ones I'm thinking of. Another is, I, just, um, I mean, Indianapolis, I just, Houston, San Francisco. Me, it's Chicago is one I'm looking at. Yeah. And honestly, the other one I'm looking at is Cleveland to Carolina. Uh, what taking taking the Panthers? Taking the Panthers. Do it. Give me. Oh man, this this could be a go legend type of a call or just or... a complete flame out. <laughs> this might the... hold on. You know what? I'm taking Carolina. <laughs> Why? Maybe this will be what will actually the get the Browns to win in Week One. Yeah, is I'm taking. I'm, that's, that's right. It. I'm taking Stefan- Carolina. Stefanski's Stefanski's gonna play LOTL. I'm freaking for the team taking on Carolina. Nice. Done. Well, this will be the first and last time and we I'm do gonna, the uh and I'm gonna be like Ryan Donathan saying, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, this will be the first and last time we do the uh the survivor picks on uh, LTL <laughs> because Steve because I will be the winner <laughs> after week one. <laughs> oh gosh, that's funny. It's too funny. Mark it down. Strike it to the record. And you can all hit me up on Twitter afterward if it ends up being that way. Oh, oh are you we know. making an announcement? Uh oh Sunday. Sunday Sunday. Oh all right. The post game show or are you going to post game well no, or are I, you gonna do it before I, I one actually, o'clock? I could drop it before one o'clock and, and live tweet the game. Oh god. I do I really want that kind of pain right off the bat. Oh hell oh. yeah you do, especially oh. especially after the survivor oh, pick. <laughs> especially after the survivor pick you just made. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, find out what Steve's Twitter handle is on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, enjoy week one, everybody. That's going to do it for us on this episode of Living Off the Land, episode 227. We appreciate you guys listening. As always, you can find us on social media at the LOTL podcast. You might be able to tweet with uh, Steve on Sunday as well. We'll find out. But until then, we wish you guys a, a good rest of your week. And thanks for listening. And uh, go Browns. So for Steven, I am Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, and we will catch you guys, well, Sunday for the postgame show and then next next week for another episode of Living Off the Land. See ya. Bye. Right